With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm joined by Kevin Graham uh, where we'll be looking back on the game yesterday. Kev, last time you were here uh, obviously we were deeply concerned that uh, then went into Thursday night which allayed our concerns not a jot. Did yesterday's result allay any concerns that you've got about Celtic, the culture, the defence, Neil Lennon himself, um, the 10 in a row pursuit? It's difficult, eh, because you have to look at yesterday's game with the big black dog, which was Sparta, across its shoulder, eh, levering across its across that yesterday's shoulder. You have to take the, the two games as a package, and if you look at post-Sparta, Neil Lennon came out with a couple of bizarre comments, the, the, the main one being was uh, the change of the culture of the dressing room, yep. which I found really quite strange, and when you... 
when you try to think about that, you're going, why does the culture of the dressing room need to change when we're 11 trophies in a row? I know. Uh, so it's a contradiction, I, isn't it, to the previous comments uh, where you were holding those 11 consecutive trophies up uh-huh. as a badge of honour, which you should. But it was a contradiction to that. So that's up to the coaching staff, it's up to the management team to find out why that culture has changed, what has changed that culture. And, I mean, we've worked in many a workplace, Paul, where the culture comes to the top. Yeah. So is there outside, is, is this culture changed at the top or is there outside influences now changing the culture in that dressing room? We maybe need to actually consider that as well. I mean, we're really fragile, eh? We're as fragile as priceless China getting delivered by a Herms delivery driver, I think, eh? <laughs> Uh, Another classic uh, analogy for you there, Kev. Thank you for that. It's like we're, we're extremely fragile, and I think that was shown yesterday. Even though it was a fantastic result in a venue, which has been tough for us over the years, but we still give away too many chances. Mm-hmm. And you have to look at if Andrew Dallas gave. The, I know we're going to talk about referees, but if Andrew Ga- Dallas gives that penalty kick in the first half and we won nothing up, you actually fear of. Oh, might have happened if Motherwell had got back in at one each. I mean, you look at the, the start of the second half, we seem to have no react to Motherwell getting on top at the start of the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, they score a, a really, really bad goal. I mean, the free kick that they scored from was just inside our half. Mm-hmm. The ball has to travel 40, 50, 40 yards to the edge of the box for... Declan Gallagher to get the header. Then our keeper is slow getting across there as well. It is a poor, poor goal to lo- lose and, it, and it's typical of the type of goals that we do, lo- do lose. Mm-hmm. As a team, we give up too many chances. For me, defending as a unit means it's not just the defence we've got a problem with. We've got a problem with the whole shape. We've, we've, maybe not the whole shape. We've got the problem with the, the, the players knowing what their jobs are. Because we give up far too many chances. But, as we spoke on last Monday, we're either going to be sugar or we're going to be shite, it seems. And there doesn't seem to be any in-between with us. But, look at the positives yesterday. Uh, Tom Rogic, fantastic man. Uh, And when you you think about it, he's, he's gone through a wee purple patch just now, but he's 28. Yeah. He's in the peak of peak years, be. his be. careers. Yeah. Has he maybe had that wee jolt that he needed when he, when he stared at semi-retirement at Qatar? A life-changing contract he would have got to go to Qatar. But it's basically he's going into semi-retirement, going to that league. Has that maybe gave him the wee jolt that he needed to say, I need to, I need to show I've still got life as a viable top-level football player here? I mean, at 28, I wonder if he was expecting at 28 to have the have the bigger move away to the English Premiership by now. And that's not happened. Mm-hmm. Is, is that because the injuries have held him back? Is it because he struggled in the game against Sparta, but then everybody did? Is it because his injuries, he hasn't got the speed that that big move has never came about for him because he's got the ability. Mm. He has got the ability in his feet. And so maybe he's just now decided that it's time to actually make a decent fist at Celtic because where is he going to end up after Celtic? The only offer on the table in the summer was, was 
a semi-retirement league in Qatar, and maybe that's disappointing to him. Maybe that's disappointing to him, it's disappointing to his agent, that the big move that he wanted is no there. Never materialised. Yeah. Hasn't materialised. But as long as we've got him, I'm quite happy. As long as he's putting in performances like that, I'm more than happy for him to see him in a Celtic jersey. Um, Moy, as well, great hat-trick. Um, he was alive in the box when Ayeti's shot came off the post. He was following in, showed some great striker's instinct there. Um, but his third goal, his hat-trick goal, he had no right to win that header. He had no right to score that header. Um, but again... You go back to, maybe maybe it's just the mindset of this, what's beginning to feel like a season. It's a ghost season to me. It's quite difficult. We're playing the games, but sometimes you find it difficult to get emotionally involved in Is the game. Is it a ghost season because because of the fact that we're watching it from here? We're yes. watching it from home? No, for the studio, but we're watching it from home. Mm-hmm. It seems a bit surreal. It's, it seems a bit like, see when you wake up in the morning, or you're trying to wake up in the morning, and, you, and you're in that sort of half world between asleep and being awake mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't ken what's real and what's no real it seems to be a bit like that I, I, it's just depends what you've been up to the night before Kev especially if you eat cheese eat cheese later on that can be a bit, a bit weirder um, but that's what it feels like and you're better to have a cucumber sandwich before you go to bed cucumber 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 I'm just my accent or mispronunciation um, but yes I, I mean, when I look at the game yesterday, Kevin, it's always with the caveat of Thursday night. So although I can enjoy a victory, I can enjoy a, a good performance, you can enjoy the good things like that hat-trick from El Yunusi. The performance by El Yunusi shown us the other side of El Yunusi. You know, the, the contrast between his performance against Sparta Prague and Motherwell are the two sides of Mo El Yunusi. You know, and I just wish he had a wee bit about him that, he, you know, his celebration was maybe two fingers up to some of the people who had been criticising him for his mobile phone usage. That would have been a great opportunity in a live game, but obviously he's a lot classier than that. Um, and then after the game where he's been awarded with the match ball was is the tradition when it comes to a hat trick and Lenny's giving him the big hugs and all that. What I try to do because I'm critical, Kevin, when things aren't going well. Uh, which I think is important, but you've also got to to balance that off. So you look at El Yunusi, what a turnaround from Thursday night to to yesterday. So massive praise to him as a player. You're also looking at Neil Lennon, and I don't know what part he's played in that, but the very fact that he's kept him in the starting lineup, I think, was the first indication that Neil Lennon uh, was going to try and obviously manage him through a situation which... Was it over the top, the reaction to the mobile phone? You know, Neil Lennon getting questioned right after a game about mobile phone usage? I think probably. But what I said the other day, what I said yesterday was it was maybe indicative of uh, a greater issue that Lenny himself touched on with regards to a culture. Uh, this culture of undermining him as a manager. It'd be that ball and golly flying to Spain during a pandemic or Lee Griffiths coming back from pre-season training or for pre-season training overweight something that Chris Sutton claims is still the case. And of course, using a mobile phone, which apparently is against the regulations or the rules. So I was chuffed to bits for El Yunusi. I think when you see that performance, Kev, and you look at his performance in Europe, uh, where he was basically the best player on the pitch against Lille, against a very, very good side, you see the real quality of El Yunusi. And it's a shame that 
the one part of his game that, that's missing, I think, is getting out on a consistent basis. Definitely, um, that is missing. If you look at the the difference, say, the team from Thursday night to Sunday, you've then got to look back at Thursday night and go, and the management team have got to look back at Thursday night and go, what was wrong? Mm-hmm. Why did we not get that level of performance there when we can get it on a Sunday? Right, Motherwell. Have they, have they had somebody of any repute up front and this is what I would say is a cautionary tale, then it certainly wouldn't have been as comfortable as 4-1, Kevin, because like you said earlier, they cut through our defence far too easily. And when you're playing a team in Europe that are doing that, you're going to be on the wrong side of a 4-1, which happened on Thursday. Is, is, is it an attitude thing? Well, you, 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 look at, you look at Sparta on Thursday night, it was a reserve team, a youth team, and we got absolutely schooled by them. I said that on Thursday night after the game. You look yesterday as well, and you see, you, you're saying it's a defence. I think it's a team. I think we get cut, cut open far too easy as a team. So does that come down to the shape then, the formation? It comes down to... As well as, as the personnel. It, it's it got to come down, down to the shape. It comes down to the personnel and what they're getting told to do. Or what their natural instinct is. Or what they're training on day in, day out. If we're getting cut, cut open that easily, mm. then there is a problem. And it's up to the management team to sort it out. Now, we're sitting here on a Monday. And we sit here most Mondays. And for me sitting here now, the difference between last Monday and this Monday is I think it's now quite clear that Neil Lennon has got the backing of the people who he needs the backing of. I think that is extremely clear that they're maybe giving them the leeway because of the COVID and because of the injuries. And maybe there's some of us sitting here listening, talking, who don't think who don't have the belief that Lennon is the right person to take us longer term, but the only people that he needs to believe in him are the people in charge. And I think you saw the way that we reacted on, the, the club reacted on Friday. It was kind of hunkered down back the manager. There was a lot of PR stuff because it was, was her birthday. But for me, as a fan watching it, if Neil's got that belief, if Neil's got that backing and the belief from those in charge, then we just need to go with it. There's we can comment on it, but we we can't. There's no going to. There doesn't seem to be. There's no going to be any knee jerk reaction. And I think history proves with the people who made the decision in our club, Peter Law, Dermot Desmond, that there's never any knee jerk reaction. They, they see things. They see things longer term than maybe what we do as as fans, as normal football fans. But it's clear, it should be clear to them, and as it's clear to us, that this season we lack a bit of identity on the pitch. We rely too much on individuals and there's too many things going wrong when they're playing 90 minutes of football to say everything's well. Yeah, and I still don't think it is, to be honest. You don't go from Thursday night having an issue with the culture in the dressing room to beating Motherwell 4-1 on a Sunday and that just washes away so as much as I'm enjoying the victory and that's great and hopefully we can build on it Kevin it is definitely cautionary as far as I'm concerned because we've kind of been here already this season with a false dawn that was 60 minutes against Lille followed up by a Scottish Cup semi-final victory against Aberdeen followed up by one of the worst performances in Europe that I've ever seen so it's it's definitely a cautionary. Um, that that's always the caveat at the moment, and until we go on a, a longer run of games. And I've seen a lot of people saying that the international break has come at a good time for us. I tend to agree with that. 
Um, I think part of that will be some players coming back from injury. Now, we thought we had Ayer back. He hobbled off. We don't know how serious it is. You would hope that the international break assists his recovery and that he's back for our next game against Hibs. Julien is due back. I don't know if he'll be thrown right in against Hibs. Uh, we had a conversation yesterday, Kevin, about how Julian and I are was the partnership that we wanted to break up by bringing in another defender. That defender was Shane Duffy. Now, you know, we're, we're now calling for Ayer and Julian. It's a dream partnership all of a sudden. People weren't saying that after the game at Kilmarnock. No, or Livingston at any point. Uh, over, again, is it just absence makes the heart go fond, fonder with some of these guys. But I, I, I don't think Julian's got, got his limitations. Um, but he doesn't seem to get turned as turned as easy as what Duffy gets, and he seems to have set. He seems to have settled in quicker to the Scottish game than what Duffy does. What Duffy has It's a completely different. We've defended Duffy and his mindset, and the fact is, this is the biggest club that he's ever going to play for. It's a club that he supported as a boy, but he just can't make the basic mistakes that he has been making. But again. I'm going to give him, I'm going to defend him a small bit that we get opened up as a team far too easily. But and even yesterday he's not there yesterday and we lose a poor, poor goal for a set play. Open up as a team, I get that, and I know that Christie gave away the free kick. Um Christie who had an involvement in both goals, one of them being as an agitator that uh, obviously putting the defender under pressure for the first goal. But in football, Kevin, if you're a midfield player and you give away a free kick 40 or 50 yards away from goal, you should be able to trust that your centre-halves and your defence, your, you know, your defensive unit, can deal with a flighted ball into the box. So yes, I get defending more as a team, but something like that is indicative of the issues that the Celtic defence has had all season. We can't defend a corner. We can't defend a simple loft into the box from a free kick. And that's all it was. So that, that's defensive. So although I do get... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh yeah, love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the ding the ding the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. You defend from the front and all this. I, I do get that. I think the issue 
is the heart of that defence. And I think what we need to do is we need to establish what is our best shape at the back. And once we've discovered what the best shape is, who do we play and try and get a partnership in there? Because we've got a goalkeeper who's sitting on the bench at the moment, costs four and a half million pounds. There doesn't seem to be the same relationship. Let's go back to our relationship we had before. Craig Gordon and Goals, Denier and Van Dyke in front of them. Now there's there's a backline that could deal with a lofted ball into the box. And so what you're looking for is that diamond first and foremost, and then you start looking at the fullbacks if you're playing with a four, which I think Neil Lennon is going to be favouring from the one. The the issue that I've got with the four is we're not actually playing with two fullbacks, and I get that Laxalt can play left back. He's he could probably play centre forward. The guy's brilliant. That was probably his worst game yesterday, actually. And I'm not criticising him because I think he's going to be a, a, an astute um, signing this season. We'll, go, we'll get on to Frimpong because we're going to be forced to play someone else on there anyway. But I found it interesting, Kevin, yesterday at half-time when they looked at the average positional play of everybody on the park, Laxalt and Frimpong were on a half-way line. I think that's an issue. That, that, go, that goes back to what Lennon says after the game or um, on Thursday night. He says that we need to get back to basics. We need to learn to do the basics again, or or was it when he was speaking about the whole team watched the game together, which has caused a bit of a ripple on the social media as well, um, regarding post-match analysis and stuff like that. But where would you want your fullbacks to be? I mean, we defend we it's um we defend with a seemingly high line anyway, so the fullbacks being on the halfway line doesn't seem that. I think it's an issue when you're playing Ross County and they're cutting through you three times in the first half. I think it's an issue when an aimless ball against Ferenc Varos turns into the winning goal. I think that is the issue. So if you're playing with two fullbacks, Celtic have a tradition of overlapping fullbacks. We're now playing with two wingbacks. And I think a wingback, the onus is on offensive play, an overlapping fullback is defend first. I think that's the issue. So we were criticising Greg Taylor, for example. As, as a whole, as a collective, because he wasn't getting the final ball and etc. But as a defender, I think he'd be doing a better job than a right back who up until yesterday was Frimpong because he's out of position continually. And I'll come back to Frimpong because obviously his injury is going to be a point of discussion today in, in regards to the, the poor officiating that we're, we're seeing all too often this season. But we're sitting with two sitting midfielders. Mm-hmm. Who should be covering the fullbacks when the fullbacks go up the pitch? Should be. Should be. Should be being the word. And this is where I'm going back to it's a team issue because you've mentioned corner kicks, we mentioned set plays. We've got nine players in the box, all with a job. All should know their job when, not, when corner kicks and set plays coming into the box. Right, and we're not defending it. And we're not defending it. So there's an issue. So there, so for me, I understand what you're saying with the centre of defence. I think the number of free kicks we give away outside the box area, 30 yards, 40 yards from our goal, is a problem as well, because I think there's a panic to try and stop bo- balls going into the boxes. The ball going into the box... You get the niggly wee free kicks. Is that because the people who are giving them away aren't trusting that we can deal with the ball going into the box? Well, you could say that. <clears throat> that that's what it looks like. Because you look at some of them, they're really, really petty. Like they're, they're really like pushing in the back, wee nudges. Now, we have got a problem with defending balls into the box. Teams are going to play for, for opportunities to no. put the ball into the box. That's the weakness. And so, if we're buying their free kicks or committing these free kicks when we don't really need to, 
then we're putting pressure on ourselves. And I think that it's a whole team thing. I say, I, I've said previously, if our front four don't play, and I mean offensively and defensively, then we struggle. Well, you've got that. You've got that kind of horseshoe, Kevin. Like salt on the left, Frimpong on the right. Up top yesterday, maybe a Yeti, but obviously Edward or Griffiths. And then behind that, you've got Christie, Rogic, and El Yunusi. So you, that that five players there, right? That that should be an issue for any team playing against that. Mm-hmm. And I don't have an issue with that. It's it's behind then. We've got the issue now. If you're looking, or you're pinpointing the two, uh, the deeper midfield players. McGregor all of a sudden's a, a deep line midfield player. Um, I think he's better offensively. You know, when you look back at his, his play over the last few seasons, then you're looking at the, Scott Brown. You're looking at Scott Brown. Um, so he can't cover with his legs uh, Frimpong because Frimpong spends 90% of his time in the opposition's third, top third. And I think, obviously, if, if you're looking at the whole team defending as a, as a team, then that's your issue then. It's the two in front of the two centre-halves. So you've got to look at what what the shape is in that team, Kevin. I mean, Duffy's not been able to manage the shape. That's why he's sitting on the bench. Barkas was unfortunate because he got injured. Will he come back in? So I guess the question would be, and I asked the question yesterday, our next competitive game, give me your back line. What's the shape? Who's in goals? It depends on... Obviously, I'm, I'm going to say this... If everybody is available, mm-hmm. what my back line's going to have. We know Frank Pong's not going to be available, we know that. Right. But my back line would be Barkas, mm-hmm. because I think Barkas is better at dealing with cross balls than Scott Bain. Right back is El Hamed, only because after that right back, after El Hamed, we've only got Ralston. But El Hamed also adds a bit of height, and, he, and he's also played centre half. Mm-hmm. It's Julian. Ayer and Laxalt. Right, so then you're looking at a situation where you've got Beaton. Is he the answer in front of the defence? Is he the guy? Is he the guy where he should be playing with McGregor is? Because McGregor's much better further up. That's, that's interesting. So, the, so Beaton, is he the answer? Bring him out of the central defence. Does Beaton naturally slow the game down though? Yeah, he definitely does. does he ah, no doubt. Slow, does he naturally slow the game down? And has he got the legs... He's got the game intelligence to play that position, but has he got the legs to cover Brown alongside him? Well, even let's say we think that's the answer, right? If then you're looking who drops out. You know, there's the there's the question: who drops out? So you're looking at Brown or McGregor, and for me, McGregor's McGregor's the first team on that uh, name on that team sheet for me. So he's not going to drop out. But then you're looking at your captain, so it becomes a selection nightmare. Um, so, Who, but it's been, an option. Who's been shoehorned into that side? It's McGregor. McGregor's been shoehorned into that side because that's not his strongest. Because that's not his position. position. Yeah. So, if you if you do have a problem in that area, you and you need a bit more energy in that midfield area, then what's the natural conclusion that you come to? You take out the thirty-six-year-old who has maybe lost a yard of pace. But then you're taking out a 36-year-old, which is the state of mind of that team. Oh, which is so. the leader of that side. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, 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 it's not a simple answer as, as taking out Scott Brown and putting beat on in there. I think putting beat on, I think putting beat on in there leads to other problems that we maybe don't have. I, I, I just do think that we just lack... There's 
you don't know how we're going to play. At this point last season, we knew how we played. And maybe that was because the front four were playing well. Maybe that maybe 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 this is just down to individual performances dropping off. Then we've got to look at how those why those performances have dropped off. But let's go back to the high salon days of the invincible treble. You knew how Celtic were going to play. You knew how Brendan Rodgers was going to set up Celtic to play. You just need to look at his Leicester side mm-hmm. to see this is how he plays. He kept possession and keeping possession is very very defensive. Because if you've got the ball, the other team can't score. And that was how, that's how Brendan Rodgers' teams actually defended. We're like, one of, one of these big, great bit, bits of street art, and you see in New York. And it's great, it's all nice and colourful. So when Brendan Rodgers, at the, Brendan Rodgers' the first season, this street art was done, right? And it was bright and colourful. We're now four years down the line and it's weather-beaten and the council are trying to power wash it off. That's where we are. We're that faded right. for that point. So in that in that analogy, then the council try to spray it off. Um, playing the council in that analogy are the officials and the referees in Scotland, Kevin, which takes us on to the next point. Jeremy Frimpong's um, career, we've said time and time again, could well be hampered by the type of tackle that we witnessed yesterday, Kevin. Uh, quite early doors in the season, sitting in here on a match day, we spoke about him undoubtedly being Celtic's most um, hacked player, most fouled player. And it's come to roost. That's exactly what's happening. Now, the tackle yesterday was reminiscent of Bowman's against Tierney at Celtic Park, where all you, I mean, you're, you're basically centimetres, millimetres away from a career-threatening injury because if your stud's sticking that turf, Kevin, and you've got the, the straight leg, the way that he's gone in there ends your career. Now, Jeremy Frimpong, for all the criticism that he gets, and I, I still maintain that I don't think he's a defender, hence the, the the opening point that I was making there about the fullbacks, Kevin, because I do think he leaves the centre-halves um, exposed. We've got a decision to make with Frimpong. How do we develop Frimpong? Do we develop him as a right back or do we develop him as a further forward? That's the player? first decision you make. Right. And from Some, there, somebody's got to come in and make that decision. Yeah, for me, he's you know he's a, he's an offensive player every day. For, it's like asking Tom Rodgick to defend, right? Mm-hmm. Tom Rodgick does doesn't defend. I agree with you. Um, and it's you know we're trying to get the guy to do something that naturally he doesn't have the instinct to do. I agree with you. I know nothing about football, but we've got guys there we pay loads and loads of money. Who have got, who have forgotten more about f- football than I'll ever know, who are still insisting on trying to play him as a fullback. It's bizarre. I know, I know. So Frimpong is on the end of the worst challenge that I've seen this season, but it's one of many bad challenges, Kevin. And the big thing is again, I think it's important, especially when you've had a decent result. We're going into the international break. We, we've got to enjoy that result. This isn't a negative podcast for anybody no, who's no, tuning no, in. No. Um, it, but let's have a look at the the this overall standard of refereeing this season. Uh, we can go further back. I mean, it's been an issue for many, many years, but let, let's focus on this season because I think this season is going to be all about fine margins, Kevin, for so many, so many reasons. One of the reasons is we've got a challenger. Right, that's a big, big reason, right? You are looking extremely good. Well, we've got a challenger. I mean, yesterday, the free-scoring uh, element against Hamilton, what I would like to see for anybody who thinks that... Uh, 
Brian Chipper Rice is going to lie down to Rangers. Trust me, you don't know the guy. Celtic daft. Um, I mean, there's no way he would do that, right? So maybe Rangers dismantled that Hamilton side at Ibrox. Um, so we're up against that. And that's fine. Everybody realises that, Kevin. There's nobody denying that these days, is there, really? But I think because of that and because the season might be called early, as it was last season, we need to ensure, obviously, the the points average. Now, it's going to be very tight. We might be talking about going down to goals, you know, as it, you know, it's always something that needs to be considered. So when Rangers are going out there and scoring eight yesterday, and we're, we're getting a good victory at Fir Park, but we're still basically uh, five goals worse off. That is going to be fine, fine margins, is, is my point. But because of that, the refereeing cannot be as inconsistent as it has been so far. So, just off the top of my head, and I've not studied this or analysed this in any great depth, but just off the top of my head, I'm looking at Dundee United when Dallas refereed the 1-0 game at Tannadice, Kevin. And the, the treatment of Odson Edward by Mark Connolly was such that Eddie was, was um, injured for the European game. Did that contribute to her exit? Well, you know, he is the classiest player that we've got on form, Kevin. He likes the European stage. Yeah, it probably did. Then we've got the St. Johnson game when uh, we got the two late goals. And the referee in that game was Nick Walsh. I counted two sending-off offences, both by the same player, but two sending-off offences by Murray Davidson. He got a booking in the end. And then yesterday, people might think I'm being harsh here, I think there were two reds. Uh, and I think that uh, Cole and Tony Watt were lucky to escape without getting sent off. Both of them got a, a yellow, I think. So for me, that's abysmal. That's an abysmal standard of refereeing. And I don't know if anyone else is facing the same standard of refereeing this season. And that's a huge concern for me. I'm going to disagree with you. Um, he says it's inconsistent. I think it's, I think it's really consistent. It's really consistently poor. No, what, what I said us, was it was us. inconsistent across all the other teams in the league when compared to the way that Celtic are dealt with. Aye, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe give you that, but I haven't seen enough games out with the ones with Celtic. I can only talk about the Celtic games with any sort of knowledge or justification because I've seen them all. And the, 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 the standard of refereeing has been really consistently shocking in every Celtic game this season. Absolutely. Yesterday, Andrew Dallas missed a penalty for Motherwell. If we're going to, if we're going to say how bad Andrew Dallas was, he did. He, that thing in the first half with Scott Brown was a penalty Motherwell yesterday. But for him to have a clear view on an assault, and it is an assault on Fringpong, and not even think about giving the free kick until Fringpong actually, until he. He made up his mind that Frank Pong was injured mm -hmm. and then to only see it as a yellow card is utterly... He should never referee an our game in Scotland this season when they review that. When they actually review that decision. I mean, I think it's been universally decried. Well, I'm, you, you, you spoke about Ryan Bowman against Kieran Tierney. Mm. One, one again, what's maybe a not, enough has not been made of. Same manager, same team, two shocking challenges. What does he say to his team before they go out? This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. How fired up does he get his team for someday? That tackle yesterday, was it Devante Cole? Mm. It was Devante Cole. That could have ended Frank Pong's career. That was Roy Keane on Alfie Haaland. That was Neil Simpson on Ian Durant. If Frank Pong's foot had been planted, his career was over. Mm-hmm. His career was over. And for, a, for the referee to be standing looking at it, it's just... And not even see it as a red card as shocking. If there was VAR in Scottish football, they'd still get it wrong. Well, probably, but you would hope to think that that he would have been sent off right away. It's not even a. It's not even a. I'm speaking about the penalty kick about Motherwell. That was maybe a maybe decision. Air on the side, it was a penalty, but there's no decision to be made. With that challenge, no, it's uh, <clears throat> as clear a red card as you'll ever see. It's a level of intent, Kevin. Uh-huh. You know, um, it's not even as though you're going for a ball that's in flight. You know what I mean? And, and you catch somebody at a certain area of the body. It's the the height of that challenge. And as you say, if the if the foot's planted, we're looking at another scenario of some that you've already mentioned. We've lost a lot of great players through uh, bad injuries down the years. You know, when you think about even John Kennedy mm-hmm. um, and people like the original Brian McLaughlin, we didn't quite lose him, but he, he never ever maintained the standards or reached the standards that we expected. You know, Stevie Murray. Remember Stevie Murray? Murray he, yeah. he was a hugely promising player. We've lost a lot of players through bad, bad injuries. And uh, we said early doors this season, he needs protection. From referees, he needs protection. Now, I, do, I believe that there's a marker thrown down early doors in the season, and it's not improved. He continually is treated like that. And what what's happened? We're sitting here having a conversation that we knew we were going to have. I remember him getting stretched off last season for a horrific tackle, and you know that's a, a guy who, for me, with that development that you mentioned earlier, and I think that will come. Kevin, I think that development will come. We're looking at a, a, a player who might end up being an international footballer on the, the top, top stage of world football. If he develops, right? And that is how he's been treated in Scotland and he's not been protected. So what does the club do in this scenario? The club need to speak out about it. I would hope Neil Lennon, the next chance that he gets in a press conference, comes out and speaks about it. And says we've 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 lost a player for however long it's going to be, and it could have been, it, this should have been nipped in the bud earlier on in the season. You allow teams are allowed to get away with kicking more skillful and better players. Mm-hmm. You go back to you go stretched on stretched off against St Johnston. Yeah. Funnily enough, we can go back to the St Johnston game earlier on. There, you've got Murray Davison who just looks like a bloody red card any time that he comes onto the pitch and you've also got the guy who brought down Kamala but Kamala gets up and actually scores mm. that's a red card as well oh, yeah good that, point that, yep. that, Kamala the, the force of that challenge was like Kamala getting hit with a bus mm-hmm. and he got up but he st- the guy still should have got sent off for that challenge even though Kamala got up and scored nah agreed agreed you've got teams whose 
MO against Celtic is we'll boot Eddie Dundee United this season. Mark Connolly absolutely assaulted Eddie up and down the place and got away with it until he got booked in the 84th, 80 odd minutes. Token gesture. It was a token gesture. St Johnson as well booted us off the park. We go back to the other point that the Kilmarnock game earlier on the season. We praised the Kilmarnock that day. And in the middle of the park, you've got Dicker Power and can't remember the other guy in the middle of the park, eh? But they like a challenge as well, but not to the level that we've seen Motherwell St. Johnston and Dundee United do this season. Mm-hmm. Their their game plan was to get see how see how much they could get away with. Let's see how far this referee is going to allow us to do. Mm-hmm. Then when you don't get booked for the first assault, you go, I can get away with this thing. I can get away with this. I can keep on going and going to see how far I can push the letters of the law. And if you want the Scottish game to improve, I'm going to have a look at the bigger picture here. If you want the Scottish game to improve, the standard of refereeing has to improve and the referees have got to protect decent football players. Mm -hmm. The the days you look at leagues all over Europe, you never see tackles like you do in the Scottish League. I mean... I'm sure there'll be guys in Europe watching uh, Devante Cole's tackle yesterday all over Europe going, how did he not get sent off? How did he get away with that? How yeah. did he get away with that? Mm-hmm. That's shocking, that's ridiculous. How how did he not get away with that? And it just gives this, imp- the standard of refereeing and what the referees let teams away with just keeps Scotland stuck in this, we're a football and backwater. Backwater. You look at the academy he came from, Manchester City, right, in Cham. Edward comes from the PSG Academy. Now, you imagine being a young starlet, Kevin, looking for that move because you're not going to get into anything beyond under-23s at Man City, for example, and you're looking at that, you think, well, I could be up there and finish within 18 months because they don't protect the ball players. I mean, I, I think it's getting to the... It's already at the ridiculous level, and that, that's why I ask, what do you do? What do you do to, to uh, combat that as a club? We're talking from a Celtic point of view, of view here, eh? but I'm also talking. You saw James Madison was at Aberdeen as well, a nice, a fair player, but he got a four, he got a fair bit of attention when he was up here as well. Like at a lump at Ryan Kent's a decent player as well, and he'll probably I don't watch enough of the Rangers games anyway, but he'll maybe get the same treatment as well because that's what in Scotland that's what they do to stop fair player players. You need managers to talk out about it. You need Celtic to talk out about it. If we lose Fing Pong for... We could lose Fing Pong for the rest of the season if it's ligament damage. Yeah, and he's already in because obviously Forrest is out for another eight weeks. So mm-hmm. if, we, if we're playing our right fullback, Kevin, then Elhamid's your, your obvious choice. But we, we, we lose a bit offensively and then that probably falls on the shoulders of Ryan Christie. And by the way, I think Christie and Elhamid could be a good combination. Could be, I think it could be a solid combination yeah. down that side. Eh? So the club have really got to speak out about this. They've, they've, they've got to. And uh, they should have sp- spoke out about it after the Dundee United game. They should have spoke out, s- spoke out about it after the St. Mon- eh, St. Johnson game. It's You just didn't speak about bad refereeing when you get beat. No. You've got to highlight it constantly. Mm-hmm. And we highlighted constantly when the referees went on strike. And I think the standard of refereeing is now worse than what it, what it was then. 
Definitely. I, I, I'm sure people have got views on it, but I can only I can I can only go by what I watch, and that's the Celtic games, and the standard of refereeing is utterly shocking. Well, have a look at some of the comments coming in, Kevin, because uh, we are very busy this afternoon on the comments section. People are getting involved via YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. If you are on the YouTube channel, make sure that you do subscribe. It's free, and we broadcast on a daily basis. Now, Richard Murray on that point asks. The question, do any of you lot watch football away from Celtic? Genuine question. Well, Kevin, you already know my my habits when it comes to football. I never watch football on the TV unless Celtic are playing. Never. Doesn't matter who's playing. Premiership, down south, don't watch it. International football, not interested. I watch Celtic and that's it. Not as much as for... I do watch other teams, but not as much as what I used to. Uh, mainly because I've got two wins and octonauts is on my telly all the time. And um, but I do watch quite a when I get the opportunity, I, I do like watching a game of football. I know a lot of people who will watch anything, any game, any league, wherever it is played in the world. And I just I can't get invested in that, Kevin. I just don't have that emotional investment. I find it harder to watch when there's no fans. Or I find my mind wandering. Um, if it's a game that you've got, as you mentioned, if it's a game that you've got no emotional investment in. Your mind wonders mm-hmm. if you've got no. At least if you're at the, the game, game, you can watch something else. Uh, you've, you've what got... I mean is, you can follow a particular player, right. or you know, you can actually look at the shape. And that's me, maybe just being really sad. But when you're at the game, you don't follow the ball, do you? You look at other things on the on the park. Look at yesterday. You've got Man, Man City, Liverpool, two of the best teams in Europe, and I, I remember a time where I would have went out my way to try and watch that game. Yesterday, I didn't even bother. Listen, it's been a gradual thing for me though, because I remember um, I was a big English football fan back in the 80s due to Panini sticker books, shoot magazine, match magazine. You knew every single player in every team. Moving into the 1990s, I was intoxicated with the whole Sky Sports thing, this whole WWF box office style promotional campaign. And I watched every game, every game I could, Monday Night Football, remember? Mm -hmm. And you were watching players... I mean, back then you are watching players like Cantona, of course, and ah, uh, you know Tony Yeboah playing for Leeds and the great Newcastle side that came through. So these these are the kinds of teams that I remember fondly when I'm going to the uh, when I'm going back to the early nineties. But as as the English game has developed in inverted commas, I've lost interest in that. And then when it comes to the Italian football, I remember back in the nineties again, like everybody else kind of being hooked on the Channel 4 coverage of Italian football, uh, whisper it, but a lot of that was due to the interest around Paul Gascoigne at that time. Of course it was. Um, but since then, you know, there's no league that I, I watch, there's no other league outside of uh, Scotland that I'm interested in. I dip in, um, if I've got time, and if there's nothing else on, and I've got the TV to myself, I will try and find a game of football to watch. Mm-hmm. I do like I do like watching Italian games, but even then, the Italian games is probably more about the what's happening off the pitch, the cult, the ultra culture there. And even if it's not a big, even if the stadium's not sold out, there's still a spectacle in, in Italian football. Well, to answer Richard Murray's point. I do watch other football, but not to the same level I watch Celtic, so I feel I can only comment with any sort of evidence-based and little knowledge on Celtic, on the Celtic games that I watch, because it's probably the only games at this precise moment in time where I'm paying 
100% attention. And that's mainly to do with the fact that there's no crowds and there's, there doesn't seem to be any atmosphere or any anything to hold you. And you know that you've got to analyse the games because I'll be asking you questions on it when you come on to the Celtic State Mind Bulletin. But even then, if that wasn't going to happen, there's been some Celtic games this season I would have switched off and went and done something else. See, that's a big thing. I'm a gluttony for punning. The only time I've ever walked away, and I say this the other day, was um, after Anton Rogan missed that penalty in the 1990 Scottish Cup final. I couldn't watch Brian Irvin's penalty. Couldn't watch it. I knew it was coming. The only time I've ever done it a 1995 Coca-Cola Cup final I still haven't seen the penalty kicks yet all penalties I still haven't seen them yet I blame Brian Potter for that uh, because he saved the penalty in the semi-final now Celt67 comments on YouTube truth horrible tackle ah, no doubt about that and Terry Tibbs who is a regular contributor to the bulletin never a penalty for Motherwell Kev I thought it was if it was up the other end I would have been shouting for it that's just my, my, my opinion. If, if it was up the other end, I would have expected it to be given to us. Robert Highland on YouTube comments that Frimpong does not have the build to be a fullback in Scotland. I think he just shows far too much attributes in the top third. And I know that uh, he needs to improve in his final ball. I thought his final ball was good yesterday. His ball for the second goal, where he actually picked out the run of Rogic mm-hmm. brilliantly. On that point there, I don't think he's got the build for a football uh, for a fullback anywhere in Europe now. When you actually see some of the fullbacks who are all all six foot athletic, I, f- I think he's about. We talk about throwbacks. I, I do think he, he's he's a wide forward. I think. See, teams are now playing one striker, two wide men with the seam. It seems I think he's a wide forward, definitely. Now, <clears throat> Philip DeMarco is commenting on YouTube and he reckons that these refereeing decisions are just honest mistakes, Kevin. Um, now, obviously, there's been lots said and written about the the standard, would you call it the standard, or the intent uh, of Scottish refereeing. And I just think it's a shame that we need to continually go on about it. Um, however, when it's as blatant as it was yesterday, it needs commented on. We do the Celtic State of Mind Bulletin every single day um, and we've got to cover all aspects of that, Kevin. So, as well as the action on the park, you know, when the transfer windows open, we go through every single target. If it's a referees that are an issue, we need to cover everything. We can't leave any stone unturned, can we? No, of, of course we can. It's we're talking about um, a team, a club, a culture that we invest our time in. Probably more time that is healthy for us. So we've got to comment on everything that affects this thing that plays a a major, major part in our life. And the refereeing is part of that. Sometimes we might come across as paranoid androids, eh? but what we're talking about today is not being paranoid. It's fact. There's there's evidence. There's 15 different camera angles that will prove what we're talking about is right. Well... Terry Tibbs goes on to, we need to drop the bias chat, just concentrate on winning our games and stop finger pointing. I think when one of your most um, exciting players is on the end of a tackle like that yesterday, it would be remiss of any, any of us not to discuss that. It was a dreadful cha- challenge. So first and foremost, let's criticise the player for making the horrific challenge. But then the fact that he's not punished, that needs to be discussed. I mean, we're not going to get into the realms of... 
uh, bias and and that narrative because that's something that we could discuss again and again and again, Kevin. Um, and this season, I just think the margins are so fine, like I said at the top of the show, that we just need a level of consistency across the board. That's all anyone can really expect. You, you can't prove bias, but you can prove incompetence. And everything that we've highlighted today is just proven incompetence of the officials in Scotland. And it's just the same as we were speaking about our incompetence at actually defending and giving too much, giving away too many chances. It's the same as part of the game. It's part of the game that we're reviewing. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course it is, I And it's a talking point of yesterday's game, as is the fact that uh, we've seen the best side of Mo El Yunusi now all season. And... Last season as well, Kevin. Uh, obviously, he's a player that I've championed. I mean, I'm not saying I discovered him. He was a £16 million signing for Southampton a few years back. But I have championed him. But I've been disappointed time and time again this season with his performances. We spoke about what's his best position. Um, after the international break last time round, he comes back, we start playing him through the middle. He scores in Europe, he gets back in the side. I mean, there's no doubt his quality, but it's whether or not we can get that tune on a more regular basis, out of him. We didn't get it on Thursday night. He was disappointed when he came off. He was in the news being criticised after the game. Yesterday's performance shows you what we can get if if he's on form, and it's important that we try and keep him at that level. How do we keep him at that level? That's, that's down to the management team to keep him at that level. Mm. And it's an interesting point that you made that the management team played him. So that maybe says something about his mentality his attitude um, that we've got nobody else maybe to play that position at this precise moment we'll have that's just a flippant comment but you can tell that he's got ability then you, you can't disagree with anything that you that, that, you, that you says that one two games two games out of four good games is no good enough for Celtic it's not good enough for the player if he's looking to actually put himself in a chop window, if he's looking to get himself into the Southampton team, um, he's not doing himself justice. And maybe that's what you've got to look at. Maybe the management team have got to get that player to look in the mirror and go, you need to do yourself justice here. There's, there is a prize for you if you do yourself justice here, but this turning up every second game is not good enough. For you, not just the club, but it's no good enough for him. Because a lot of these players are selfish, yeah. They think, oh, that, that's maybe, that, that, again, that's maybe just a a, a gross generalisation that I've just gave football players there. He probably does care about Celtic. Maybe he does, I don't know, I don't think the guy, yeah. But the only thing that we can say for sure about anybody in a professional capacity is they only they look after themselves, yeah. Look after themselves first. So that's what Brendan Rogers. I keep on talking about Brendan. Eh? Um, that's what Brendan Rogers was good at. He got the player first and foremost looking after himself, knowing if the player looked after himself, the team he would look after the team as well. And maybe the management have got to try and get into Moy's head and to try and get that consistency from, be saying to him, this is going to be beneficial for you if you rip it up up here. Exactly, and that, that, that is what we sell. That's the dream we sell to, to players coming to the club, Kevin. And then it's down to them, because how many haven't made it? How many 
have disappeared into obscurity. You know, probably a lot more than those who have gone on and done what Dembele did and done what Van Dijk did. I mean, how many, how often have we gone out there and signed a centre half that none of us knew a great deal about? You know, so many times down the last ten years, Van Dijk made it happen. You know, and that the onus is on the player at that stage now. I'm looking at a point being made by Gary Gallagher. Welcome to the show. And you're commenting on YouTube. Elhamid before Frimpong for me, right back, and I would play Frimpong right wing. Big Julian, hopefully back for the Hibs game. I think we might be all right now. Well, when when players like Julian start coming back in, Kevin, um, when we we look a wee bit forward because it's a relevant question in relation to what our best team is going to be when everybody's back fit. Um, so you're kind of looking at, for example, uh, Julien coming back during the international break. You would hope Ayer comes back. Mikey Johnson, perhaps. I think he's due back. Within that period, we're going to take time with him and build him up. Uh, Forrest won't be back. Frimpong certainly won't be back. So with all that in mind, what do you think now is Celtic's strongest start in 11? How, how do we shape up against Hibs if we get through the international break without any further cases of uh, the virus? Hibs, tough away game. I would I would be having a look at taking on board what Lennon says to do the basics right. So to do the basics right, based on the last couple of weeks, you would So do you want a team for Hibs or do you want what I think our best side is? Or do you just want a team from Hib for the Hibs game? I'll give you a, I'll give you a team for the Hibs game. Well there there should be obviously um there should be consideration given to the opposition. Of course there should, Kevin. We're going to Easter Road. I mean, it's going to be one of what I reckon has been one of the toughest challenges over the last few seasons. I mean, Brennan Rodgers didn't like going to Easter Road, did he? Um, so, yeah, you're always going to be looking at the side you're playing. Uh, but I think it's important that Celtic, if, they, if we want to try and get that momentum going and get the partnerships working, you're talking about Christie and Alhamid now, they're going to have to start working together. The centre half partnership. What is your best partnership at centre back? You know. So if you look at that, obviously we're one eye on on the opposition. What is our strongest side going to Easter Road? I'm going to base this on that the players that have played have been there the longest and are able to play what we want to do through muscle memory. Because after this international break, there's not going to be much time, no turnaround time, training time for uh, the coaching staff to get their what they want over. So you've got to deal with that. So it would be Bain, Elhamed, Julien, Ayer, Laxalt. And I'm putting Laxalt in there because that goes against what I've just said, but he just seems like an intelligent football player mm-hmm. who would be able to do whatever you ask him to do in whatever language that you ask him to do it. In the centre of midfield, you'll go with Brown and McGregor, even though, as we've spoke about, McGregor seems to be shoehorned in to that side. You would then go for Christie, Rogic, and based on yesterday, Moy again. And up front, it's between Eddie and Ayete. I thought Ayete was brilliant yesterday as well. Uh, his hold-up play, his link-up play, uh, just his general attitude and energy is fantastic in contrast to what Eddie's been over the last couple of weeks. I would go with Ayeti. 
Ayete. Right. Now, again, we were talking yesterday about the style of play uh, of Ayete, and when he came in, you know, people were likening him to Gary Hooper. Uh, Gary Hooper always struck me as being the old-fashioned style penalty box player, Kevin. Um, I, I don't think Ayete's like Gary Hooper at all. No, there's a lot more to his game, eh? And that's maybe a slight on Gary Hooper, but when Ayeti first came in, he was doing a lot of great work in the box, but maybe that was down to his lack of fitness. And as he's getting fitter, you can see his, his whole round, his whole game is now coming into play. He's got, I keep on going on, I love seeing players with great a great touch and great football intelligence, and he's got that. You can see he tries to bring guys into the game. It's no just... I'm holding the ball here and I don't know what to do with it when I get the ball in. Are, are, you, are you sold on playing one up front with the likes of a Yeti though? Because I, I don't think... You're always looking for a partnership and I think one of the sparks last season was the partnership between Eduard and Griffiths uh, revitalising the team because Eduard had been kind of carrying the can up front on his own for a long time, far too long. So you're always looking at that partnership, aren't you? You think back to the great partnerships we've had in the past. Are you sold on the one up front? Yeah, it's not really one up front, it's like four up front. One striker up front. I'm looking one, for one two strikers, stri- a partnership. I know that you've got well, Roger, Chris Dale, Yanusi. Well, let's have a let's. What formations can you play two strikers? 3 5 2, uh, 4 4 2. When we played well last season under the 3 5 2, we had James Forrest as the right wing back. James Forrest is not there to play the right wing back anymore. I think it's been proved with the three and Julian. Uh, Whatever, I can't remember what the back three was, but I think it's already been proved this season we haven't got the full-backs to play a 3-5-2. Then you move to a 4-4-2. So you're moving to a 4-4-2 and you're going, ah, well, you're sticking Ryan Christie wide right if you're wanting Ryan Christie into the team. Well, and that's more or less where he played yesterday. But still, in a 4-4-2, it's a different role for Ryan Christie. Maybe a coach will tell me that's different. And on the left hand side, you're putting Moy on the left hand side, and then and you're taking out Rogic, you're taking out the the number ten to bring in a num- another centre forward. I think it's inconceivable that we would uh, go into the the second stage of the season without Eduard. Albeit he's not been in the best form, Kevin, but he's a, he's still a game changer. He's a match winner, um, and. I think if you're playing a Yeti in front of Eduard, a fully fit Eduard, then your best striker's on the bench. Your best striker's on the bench. Now, you've seen some signs of the two being able to team up. We know that Eddie can play with Griffiths. We've got the three players playing behind the striker at the moment in El Yunusi, Roger, Christie. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of shape that you could, you, formations that you could play with two strikers it doesn't have to be a flat 4-4-2 you know we don't even play a formation that you could describe as that because you're playing four at the back then you've got the two deep lying midfield players um, you've then got three in front of them and one up top so there's different ways you can shape it I just think when you've got four strikers and I don't think any of us really expected to have the four let's be honest after oh, the last no. transfer window Klamala's fourth choice He's dropped off the face of a cliff, ain't he? And nobody can swear he is. And that, <laughs> In the gym, what, probably. That, that's what annoyed me yesterday as well. You've got Neil Lennon speaking about Lee Griffiths bumming him up, and he doesn't even get any minutes yesterday. Mm-hmm. Saying, oh, he's almost fit to start a game. 
and he didn't and he doesn't get any game time yesterday. Mm. It just seems like we can't trust anything that's getting says anymore with anybody. There's a lot of contradictions. Oh, there's, there's, there's a lot of contradictions. I mean, one minute we're we're using the the team that's won eleven trophies as as an argument as to the criticism being over the top, but that same team that's won the eleven trophies. There's a culture issue with them. So there's a lot of contradictions coming out. Um, now, I understand that, you know, Neil Lennon, when he's getting fired questions after the game, it's going to be difficult to, to field a lot of them. Uh, the culture answer, Jim Orr reckons he's maybe used the wrong words there. Neil Lennon knows knows what culture means. He's a very intelligent man. Um, and I just think there's a bit of frustration keeping in there as well because of the poor performance. And I hope it isn't a culture issue or a culture change that's required, Kevin. Uh, there was a moment last season after the you know the winter break where everything changed. Everything changed. And we, we prefer to, to view the second half of the season as the real Celtic last season. Do you think that the same thing's going to be happening this season? Is it basically being that we're dealing with a lot of issues, a lot of injuries, illness? Um, you've also got this unrest, which, you know, it's not a rumour, it's not a WhatsApp group rumour, it's come through the interviews with Neil Lennon, talking about players wanting to leave and a culture issue. Is that something that we can iron out and hopefully when we get back from the international break, we can see a Celtic that we would expect from the players that are at our disposal? We need to iron it out. For the sake of the football club, we need to iron it out or either that something's got to give. Can I see us getting back to what we were in January last season. We had a conversation on Thursday when we spoke about belief. I've got the faith we can do it, but I haven't got the belief. The reason being, we're, we're now... This season's shortened. There's no winter break this season. There's no chance to take a step back. Even though we're, a, even though we're in an international break just now, I think there's about 14 or 15 players left Lennox Town today, tomorrow, to go and join their international so the players that are left there, there, there can't be any serious work done with the players that are left there. Um, I think January is going to be massive for us. I really do. And I think the unrest that Neil Lennon spoke about earlier on in the season could rear its ugly head again in January. And you might see players agitating for a move. Well, we shall see, Kevin. We're moving into an international I, break. I can't see any opportunity for us to have another Dubai, like like what we've had over the last couple of years. We've went to Dubai. Well, it's not going to be there because there's no and, and there's no there is no break. And the way this season is going, and the way that we this season's cal- calendar is shortened. And the amount of problems, as you've rightly say, that the, uh, Neil Lennon's already highlighted, I think January we could actually self-implode. Oh, that's a nice positive end to the show then, Kevin. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Well, um, you know, we'll be back at 12.30 tomorrow. <laughs> All that's left for me to say is thank you to everybody for getting involved via YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. And thank you, Kevin Graham, once again for joining me on Sorry Celtic State of Mind. I'll be next week. Cheers. <laughs>
Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203203. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.